0: Good morning. I'm Jim Lang, and
1: welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, Jessica Otten is the Meadowlands Marketing Coordinator and TV host, Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment, and she joins us today to talk about her role at the New Jersey track, and the Michigan native has proven to be both knowledgeable and professional, working not just in the Meadowlands in-house simulcast feed, but also addressing thousands of other harness racing fans via the track's televised nights on Fox Sports. Shortly, we will speak with Jessica and talk about her career path and where she sees the future taking her. Also, friend of the show, trainer Kevin Attar will join us today. And Kevin, well, we know from previous shows that the trainer of the Canadian champion Philly Moira, who two weeks ago finished fifth in her Breeders' Cup event, but is probably a shoe-in for Canadian Horse of the Year. Kevin, who sits second and wins in the Woodbine trainer standings with 80 wins, continues to win at a 20% clip. And he'll join us today to talk not only about Moira and her future, but also reflect on the Woodbine thoroughbred season today. And other than Moira, some of his other training highlights this past season, and you know, there's been many. In addition, while well, Woodbine Mohawk Park is still going strong after a very successful and stakes-filled summer and autumn racing season with many highlight reel performances in Woodby Mohawk Park handicapper and friend of the show, yeah, I love this guy, Garnet Barnsdale joins us today to not only reflect back on some of the racing highlights at the Campbellville Oval this season, but he'll also put his handicapping hat on today and analyze the potential plays on tonight's great harness racing card at Woodby Mohawk Park. And finally, while well, he's back, co-host Larry Simsel will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine Goodbye. Woodbine Mohawk Park and some other North American tracks that are racing today with our Ponies Picks today, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show. So you better get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to go for some heavy-duty action today. When we come back, my co-host Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on some recent horse racing news. This is Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the Track when we come back
2: on 1059 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy to use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate.
0: This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Jim Lang, and let me introduce to you my co-host, the expert in all things ponies, the one and only Larry Simpson. Hi, Larry. Hello. How are you?
5: Better than the Bills were last oh, week. Oh,
1: well, uh, now, first of all, before <laughs> we get started, anyone listening, Buffalo Bills fans, don't go to the game Sunday. They moved the entire game to Ford Field in Detroit because they're expecting six feet of snow in
5: Buffalo. I know, and I think it started, so. Oh, my but, goodness. Uh,
1: uh, starting with news, uh, something really cool, the combination of the crossover with sports and horse racing and Astro Slugger All-Star Alex Bregman.
5: Yeah, Alex Bregman is now a winning horse owner. Uh, has had a horse this past week uh, win a uh, maiden, $150,000 uh, maiden race at uh, Churchill Downs. And I guess you could say it's been a uh, pretty decent four weeks. Oh, you, know, well, he, if he you think? The, he won the World <laughs> Series. Um uh, his family had this two-year-old filly, um, and uh, it, it won and, uh, at uh, Churchill. So, yeah, he's had a, a pretty good uh, couple of weeks anyways. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, on the Stanabird side, there was some news, uh, recent news. The uh, trotting filly uh, Venerable uh, was uh, sold and now uh, has been retired. Uh, to be a broodmare, hmm. and for our listeners, Venerable was the 2021 O'Brien and Dan Patch two-year-old trotting filly of the year and when, also won the 2021 uh, Mohawk Million. She, and she retired with uh, earnings of uh, $1,348,176. Not bad, not uh, bad. I don't know who she's going to be bred to, but it's probably going to be a champion uh, uh, resulting full, you could say. So
1: Before we get to some news you have about the Meadowlands, it, it is always amazing to me, hockey, baseball, whatever sport, an athlete that ends up getting into horse racing, the joy they get from their horse winning.
5: Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's funny because it's it's something like with Alex Bregman, his family, I understand, has been in the business for a while. Yes. And uh, it's been, he's been very passionate himself, but I guess this is the first horse that he was actually involved with that actually won a race. So I guess the whole family was there, getting their picture taken I, I, on Wednesday at Churchill, and
1: I'd love to ask him. Bit, but I mean, you know, of course, the World Series is the World Series. But mm-hmm. this is pretty darn close, I bet, to him.
5: I, I believe he was quoted as saying that, yeah, the World Series was 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 fun, but this was even more exciting. So yeah, it's, yeah.
1: It, it amazes me, Larry. Like no matter whether it's music, celebrity, or entertainment, uh, that joy of seeing your horse that you own winning, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty unparalleled. And, it, and and real quick, in the Crown, in the new season of the Crown. There's a whole thing where she just wants to watch the horse races and gets the daily form. <laughs> they bring her morning papers and the first thing the Queen asks, where's the daily form? So, I love it. And you had some news about the Meadowlands.
5: Yeah, just uh, it uh, opened uh, a couple of weeks ago for business. Yeah. And, and they've got their uh, their uh, basically, I guess you call it their fall-winter meet. And uh, uh, their TVG series uh, is, I believe, uh, next weekend, which is uh, some good stakes races. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, watching some Metal races again.
1: Well, definitely, there's always good Canadian contingent there for their fall winter meet as well. Is there, there not? is,
5: and and right now uh, there there's some like there's some eliminations for some stakes races uh, tonight at the uh, at the Meadowlands. and then as I say, we got the TVG series uh, next week, and uh, yeah, it's good coverage for the sport. Well, we're
1: thrilled to be joined by a new friend of the show, Jessica Otten. You know we're on social media at Jessica Otten One, and the One is apropos because she is number one. The marketing coordinator and TV host Meadowlands Racing, and Jessica will soon find out. Spent quite a bit of time growing up in southwestern Ontario, and now is a big part of the Breeders' Crown of Wood by Mohawk Park and hosting Fox Sports broadcast of the Champions Races. Jessica, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you?
6: I'm good, thank you. I'm so happy to be able to join you guys today.
1: Absolutely. Uh, let's just get right into it. I mean, how does how did you end up at the Meadowlands?
6: <laughs> well, it's kind of a funny story. So a lot of people don't know that I actually grew up uh, as a groom for my dad. So uh, my dad is actually from Ontario, and the second I could get a license, you know, I was going with him to the races at Windsor and Sarnia, London, Mohawk, Woodline, um, when I was younger. And then, of course, racing and going to all the fairs with him in Michigan, growing up from summer to summer. And I just fell in love with the horses and being in the barn. So, um, you know, my dad really taught me from the bottom up. So I learned how to clean a water bucket before I could clean a stall <laughs> and clean a stall before I could harness a horse. So he really taught me all the basic horsemanship skills before, um, you know, moving my way up to paddocking and jogging and eventually, you know, going a couple of training trips with him. Um, and when I grew up and went into college, I kind of went and worked for a few other people. I worked for Greg McNair for a couple of weeks when I was still in high school. And then I went to Indiana and worked for Peter and Melanie Wren for a couple of summers and Trent Stoller. So I kind of was able to see how other people did it as well, along with the way my dad did it. And one year, 2018, I was down in Lexington, Kentucky with Pete and Mel Wren. And I didn't really know what I was going to do when I went back to Indiana. I didn't know if I was going to go back home to Michigan and go to school full-time and work for my dad, or if I was going to take classes online and go to Florida and work for Pete. Um, And Jason Settlemore called me one day and asked me if I wanted to do interviews in the paddock and be the promotion host and kind of help with social media a little bit. And uh, I said, sure, why not? So I I did that and remember the first day I was there I was like what in the world am I doing I am not cut out to do this
1: <laughs> I, I um, would disagree with that but continue 18. yeah and,
6: uh, and then in May of 2019 I accepted a full time position and picked up my my life in Michigan and moved 10 hours to the East Coast
5: right on Larry all right well, let's uh, let's talk about your current position what 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 does it entail at the Meadowlands.
6: Uh, so my current title is the marketing coordinator and now the TV host after uh, we lost Dave Brower. So I work five days a week um, at the Meadowlands. And then, of course, I always do, you know, I work from home and stuff, too. So I do all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and I help with their website. So I create a lot of the harness racing content um, and I promote the great sport of harness racing. That I'm so lucky to be a part of each and every day. So I, I do a lot of the videos and the behind-the-scenes work when it comes to that stuff. Um, and then, of course, you know, whatever happens at the chat that night, I try to promote that as well. Whether so then we have giveaways or big events like our beer fest or our wine fest um, and stuff like that. Plus, I get all of everybody's um, picks and tickets and stuff like that, their commentary, to make sure that the public is accessible to that via Facebook, Twitter, and our website, Um and then I do the TV work as well. So prior to the beginning of November, I was mainly just in the paddock doing paddock interviews, and once in a while I'd be commentating on the races up front. But um, now I'm a full-time desk sitter with uh, Dave Little. So I handicapped the program and give out pick four, pick five tickets, um, best bets, long shots, and stuff like that. Plus I, you know, keep everybody up to date on what's happening at the track nightly basis on social media.
1: Well, Jessica, it's one thing to be a broadcaster and be involved in harness racing and the racing industry, but because of your depth of knowledge, because of your foundation you had, I mean, this is, this is what makes you stand out. Larry and I noticed this and it, it, it stands out to us that you're not just someone who's a bright broadcaster and into social media, you know, the sport and not many people, not brandy broadcasters can say that.
6: Yeah. I, I really have to give a lot of props to my dad. I mean, I'm a third generation horseman, so I feel like it comes a little easier to me, but he was very hard on me growing up just so that I knew what I was doing and learning because, you know, he trusted me to go to the races alone when I was 14. So I had to make sure I knew what I was looking for. And I had to make sure I watched horses warm up and so on and so forth to make sure that, you know, they were sound and the equipment was right. And we needed to change something. I could call him and tell him what was going on. So I owe a lot of props to my dad, you know, making me literally learn the correct way to wash the water bucket than to go and, getting horses ready and, you know, rigging horses and stuff like that. So I do feel like I have a bit of an advantage when I'm watching horses score down. And plus it's, you know, I'm never afraid to learn something new. I love interacting with the trainers and drivers and, and asking them why they did something or, you know, are they going to do something to help this or what are they going to do and why would they do it? I love learning new things. I think there's so much you can learn in this sport and you can't be shy to ask a new question every day.
5: Well said, Larry. Yeah. So with these, third-generation family ties, was there ever a chance that you maybe wouldn't have followed along and gone into into horse racing and done something different?
4: Um,
6: I actually <laughs> went to college, to. I started a degree in criminal justice. Oh. I kind of wanted to do something along the lines of maybe not be a lawyer, but work in the lawyer's office and do something like that. But honestly, I went to the Meadowlands in 2016 to... Do a podcast for the Breeders' Crown, and I was like, I don't know why I ever thought that this wasn't going to be my life. It's literally all I've ever known since the day I was born. So I went and changed my mar- major to marketing and business, and been sailing ever since.
1: <laughs> well, Jessica, Larry, and I have noted uh, the the amount of success and the the size of the handle the Meadowlands about the last year and a half has been pretty impressive, and it must make your role in the marketing field a, a lot easier knowing how successful Meadowlands has become the last year and a half, two years.
6: It, it really has. And, you know, I, I, you know, week in and week out, I sometimes I ask myself, why do I take the time to sit here and post all of the, the tickets and the pics and the thoughts and the comments? But People appreciate it, and I really truly believe that, you know, to get new people involved in helping them wager, like, I get asked five times a night how to, you know, place a bet and stuff like that, and I just, I believe that the more information they have, the easier and and more accessible it is, like, it it helps, and you bring in new people who want to wager on racing.
5: So I guess with what's happened in, in the state of Michigan, like, you had some ties there, In the racing business. It must be pretty bittersweet now when you see what's going on with with the state and horse racing, eh?
6: Uh, Yeah, I believe they're on the uprise, which is really nice. Like, I still own a horse with my dad, and he races for me every weekend. Um, A lot of people don't know this. When I was 14, I actually testified in front of the House and the Senate um, of ads because um, my dad had moved to Canada right across the border being that he's from there, he lived with his mom. But I still, I was living a split life. Like, I had three or four horses at home. He had 10 to 12 in Canada. And I didn't get to see my dad, but maybe once a week, if mm-hmm. I was lucky, or if I would go up there and race. So, I fought. I really wanted the extended gaming to come to Michigan because I shouldn't have to live a separate life. I shouldn't have had to have my dad. You know, he missed out on... A couple of years of my high school you know sports careers and stuff like that so I didn't think it was fair so I really fought for it and unfortunately when I went to the governor she vetoed it but to see them get the you know the the sports betting and the online wagering and the other bills that are on the table right now it it truly does make my heart happy to see you know these Michigan horsemen I've been through a lot over the last uh, 10 to 12 years so they definitely deserve it, um, and it's nice to see you know the purses on the uprise and the horses coming back and the breeding and the sire stake program really you know develop more into maybe not what it used to be but trying to work its way back. It's actually really rewarding to see that you know there's a lot of people who put in a lot of hard work over the last ten years and it, it's paying off for them.
1: What you just said is very enlightening for our listeners, Jessica, because but most people assume oh it's, you know gambling's legal all over, but it, it's different state to state, and that's what a lot of people don't realize.
6: Right, right. I I believe it's been, like, the last two years that it it, it was able, you know, they were able to get online wagering for the horses and online sports wagering and getting sports books and stuff like that. Like, you know, some people say the casino, it it was casino-driven at one point, but now that we're able to get the help from online wagering because we don't get the support from the casinos is is really enlightening for the state.
5: Hmm. Well, speaking of sports, I understand that uh – you grew up uh, Detroit Red Wing fan. Is oh, that correct? No.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. So I know it's maybe not be the best team to root for, um, but my horse is actually named after one of my favorite players. Like, I was a big Chris Osgood fan and Brendan Shanahan fan growing up, and we always went to a couple of Red Wings games every year. But, um, yeah, I, I still watch them. I might not cheer as hard for them anymore, but I still watch them.
1: Now, Jessica, I've driven in Michigan and I've driven in New Jersey and there's a world of difference trying to survive <laughs> on the roads in Jersey to Michigan. What kind of culture shock was it for you when you moved
6: there? <laughs> That's exactly it. It was a huge culture shock. Like I the first the first day I drove to work, like by myself. I live in central Jersey, so it's about an hour drive to work. I remember pulling into work and all the drivers were like, Oh, how's your first drive into work? And I was like, why do you guys do this every day? I mean, like, I'm used to it now, but I come from, I come from like the middle of nowhere and we have two lane roads and the only traffic I ever get stuck in is if I'm stuck by a train or if there's a tractor in front of me, not because there's a million people trying to get to the same place. <laughs>
5: That's classic. Yeah. Larry. Yeah. Uh, I I've, I've heard it mentioned in some interviews, uh, Jessica, that, uh, Horse racing is 24-7 to you. Um, is, is there any downtime?
4: Mm. Uh,
6: you know, I wish I could say yes. Um, there are times where I would be like on vacation and stuff. It's just something I do, I don't know, every day. I feel like to be able to keep up with what's going on in the sport, especially in the summertime, like it, it really is a seven days a week, 24 hours a day type thing, because there's stake races everywhere. There's drivers everywhere, you know, trainers everywhere that are maybe are approaching milestones or horses. You want to keep an eye on, I would say maybe a little more in the winter time. Like I get to go home for Thanksgiving. So I'll be home for a couple of days, but like we have TVG finals next weekend, so I got a lot of prep work to do before I can even enjoy Thursday with my family. But, Hopefully once November is over, I can enjoy a little bit of downtime in December. I got, I have two weeks off where I can go home for Christmas and maybe there won't be so much racing going on, but I'm always that person that like, well, what's your favorite show? I just flip on RTN and watch races. Like I, it's literally <laughs> all I do. My dad is like, you're sick in the head, kid. And I was like, I blame you for
4: that. I blame you.
1: Follow her on Twitter, Jessica Otten, the number one, Jessica Otten1. And it's apropos, she is definitely number one. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us, Larry, and I really appreciate it. It was a real pleasure.
6: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Awesome. When we come back, friend of the show, trainer Kevin Attar will join us on Ponies 24-7 the radio
0: magazine. Please stay tuned. Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059 The Region. We'll be right back.
7: COSA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSA website at COSAonline.com or call 905-854-2672. Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bread, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision. This is 105.9
0: The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Friend of the show, trainer Kevin Attar joining us today. And two weeks ago, Kevin's Moira. And last call performed valiantly at the Breeders' Cup at Keeneland. And Kevin, who's in the midst of a stellar season at Woodbine, joins us to not only reflect on the recent Breeders' Cup, but also his tremendous season today at Woodbine. Kevin, as always, welcome to the show.
8: Hey, thanks for having me on again. Appreciate
1: it. I did like this little tidbit on social media the other day that uh, the 2022 Fan Choice Award for Favorite Philly and Funniest Name is Moira, And she needs your help. And there's a link if you want to vote on the uh, ABR Fan Choice Award. It's a funny name. It's a great horse. No matter what happened at the Cup, it's been a great year for Moira.
8: Yeah, it definitely has been. You know, she achieved uh, everything we could ever imagine for her, obviously, uh, here at Woodbine this uh, season. And uh, I'm just grateful uh, to be a part of it.
5: So, were you happy with her, her performance? You, you must have been, and also you had last call as well, eh? So, uh, uh, talk about both of the performances.
8: Yeah, you know, I, you know, she, she was a little unfortunate, I think, drawing the twelve hole. Mm. Um, you know, I would have obviously liked to seen her a little bit more forwardly placed earlier in the race, uh, but with the, I think, kind of breaking from the extreme outside. Uh, you know, he had to kind of look for cover into the first turn and, and I think we kinda of got back a little further than she's accustomed to running. Um and against so that type of horses that, that caliber of of a field, um, you know, you can't both horses don't stop. So you can't close too hard on on them. And uh, you know, she made her run, got caught a little wide coming from home. Uh, you know, so Uh, All in all, it was a good performance. I think she could have done a little bit better, but uh, she came out of the race in good order, and uh, we'll live to fight another day.
1: And that's the thing I was going to get to, Kevin, is after a few days when you've had a chance to sort of digest what happened at the breeders, and you look at the entire calendar year and body of work this year of Moira, how how do you grade her performance this entire season?
8: Well, listen, I think she's had a spectacular season. Um, I mean, obviously... Uh, at the beginning of the year, our goal was, uh, kind of get to the Canadian Oaks and, uh, try to win that. Uh, we accomplished that. And then the next big thing was, uh, to kind of conquer the boys in the, uh, Queen's Plate Uh, a race that obviously has a lot of history in Canada, something that's, uh, me to this point in my career. Um, so we, uh, we were really focused on that with her and, uh, you know, she obviously, uh, beat the boy, set a track record. Uh, it was a brilliant performance that day. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, I think those two races alone, she kind of, in my mind and, and through my eyes, she accomplished everything she needed to do. Um, so uh, and I think the way she kind of ended the season, it wasn't bad. Her, her race in the EP Taylor, first time against older Phillies on a new surface, uh, it was a tough trip for her, and uh, she had to overcome a lot. You know what I mean? In a second, but was obviously uh, disqualified in that race. But that led us to the Breeders' Cup with her, and and uh, you know she was respected on the odds board. People, uh, I mean, people kind of gave her credit, and um, and she didn't disgrace herself in that race either. You know, so um, looking forward to seeing her come back next year, bigger and stronger.
5: So, what what are the plans? Uh, I, I want to talk about last call, uh, you know, later on in, in the interview. But uh, we're on the subject of Moira. What are the plans? Uh, she's obviously going to race next year.
8: Yes, that is the plan uh, right now. So she left. Uh, she left uh, Keeneland and went to uh, Margot Farm, where she spent uh, last winter and where she was broken as a yearling. Uh, so they'll kind of uh, rest her up uh, uh, for probably about sixty days, and then we'll kind of get her back into training. Uh, as new year rolls around, she'll start getting legged up there, uh, most likely a little bit uh, in Kentucky, and then will probably uh, find her way south eventually. To me, uh, we're going to Gulfstream this winter. So the plan is to kind of probably uh, have her uh, come to South Florida at some point and and kind of continue to prepare for her uh, for her uh, season next year.
5: And, Larry, you were going to ask yeah. about the last call? <clears throat> yeah, I, and last call, uh, were you happy with uh, her performance in the Breeders' Cup?
8: Yeah, you know she she ran well too. I think another filly that you know with a little bit better racing luck uh, probably could have hit the board. Uh, she kind of rolled poorly, wasn't really standing in the gate properly. Um, encountered some traffic into the first turn, a little tight, kind of trying to come up the inside down the lane. Um, you know, so she she you know she ran six. I think was beaten like maybe three and a half length, something like that. It wasn't uh, it wasn't too too bad, and and was. Uh, you know, a head in the neck uh, basically uh, away from from hitting the board. Uh, so I was happy. She's a Philly that uh, had you know really turned the corner as uh, as the season went along. Uh, I was expecting a good performance out of her at the Breeders Cup, and uh, I mean looking forward to kind of getting her back next year. And uh, I think as a as a three year old Philly, uh, you know she's by English channel. They uh, tend to get uh, better as they get older. Uh, so I'm re- really excited to kind of see her join us again, and and hopefully uh, she just kind of makes that transition from two to three.
1: Speaking with veteran trainer Kevin Attard, and Kevin, you've won over 80 races so far this season. It wasn't all Las Colomboira, so for some of the listeners, what are some of the other horses in your stable that stood out this year that you were very impressed with?
8: Yeah, yeah it's been a great season. I'm very happy, obviously. A lot of people to be thankful for um, uh, that work behind me and make it possible every day um you know we've had some nice two-year-olds that seem to have a little bit of promise and 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 hopefully uh some of them are canadian breads that we're looking forward to kind of seeing them next year on, on the plate on the plate trial again and um you know be nice to kind of win another queen's plate if we can um you know we uh (laughs) <laughs> there's been a few horses. Harlan Estate's been a horse that, that comes to mind that uh, he's been really honest all season long. Um, you know, he uh, um, kind of didn't win a stake, but he was stake placed. We took him to Presque Isle. He ran second there. Uh, just a very honest type of horse that kind of lays it down each and every time he goes. Um, you know, so there's uh, there's been a few horses that, you know, that uh, have uh, kind of, Surprised a little bit too, and kind of stepped up, and and I mean uh, and ran well, and uh, just just happy with everybody's overall effort and performances here.
5: Yeah. So you alluded before about uh, last call, and you know she'll get better as uh, the distance maybe gets longer, and that, and as she gets older. Would it be? Are you looking maybe at a an Oaks Plate possibility, like you did with Moira?
8: Well, unfortunately, she's actually a Kentucky bred. Well, I right? guess you won't be. Then. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> if we if we can manage to change that somehow, yeah. uh, that would be kind of cool. Let's, Larry, uh, okay. Larry, so easy. Yeah,
5: Let me look into that for you. <laughs> yeah.
8: We're going to we're gonna have to find somebody else to do that with. Uh, uh, but you know, we we actually have a, a filly for uh, Terra Farm um, that's been. Uh, been really kind of she's won her last two races i think and i mean it'd be interesting to see her stretch out uh, down the road i think uh she's a filly that uh showing a little promise and she she could be obviously um uh an oaks candidate anyways at this point her name's fashionably fab you know kind of really excited with uh with the way she's kind of coming along and maturing so she's she's a filly that uh he's a Canadian bread and, and we're looking, uh, looking for big things from, uh, for next
1: season. Kevin is as, as great as you have been and great as your season is going right now. I mean, it wasn't always this great. You started at the bottom like everyone else. Was there ever a time where you doubted becoming a trainer that you thought, I don't know if I'm going to make this or was there a tipping point where you thought I, I can last, I can survive doing this?
8: Oh, uh, definitely. I was actually talking to another trainer, uh, uh, earlier this morning, actually, uh, on the rail watching some horses train and I was explaining him a a situation that kind of came along uh with my son who's uh, who's in college right now and and is really kind of keen on the racing industry and wants to become a trainer and uh, I've been kind of trying to preach to him about getting an education first and then after after an education he can do whatever he wants And I explained to him that I think it was either 2004, 2005, I was ready to walk out of the uh, the horse racing industry just because I was having a hard time winning, having a hard time attracting clients. And uh, at that time, I had uh, two young children, uh, just kind of moved into a new home, uh, a lot of bills, and it was just a big struggle. And uh, it got to the point where, you know, If I didn't do something where I was making a steady income, I wasn't going to be able to support my family. Hmm. And uh, I actually, for the first time in my life, really uh, put a resume together had sent it out and was looking for a job off the track. And then um, my uncle, Larry Atard, who used to be a jockey and had success with uh, Knob Hill Farm and and their kind of heyday, uh, he approached me and and, and told me that uh, he had heard Steve Stavro was looking for a private trainer and if I was interested. And I said, sure. And uh, he arranged the interview, and I met uh, Steve Favreau. And uh, sure enough, he gave me the job, and uh, he kind of rejuvenated my career. And it just began to kind of start to blossom from, uh, from the day I met him. And uh, I mean, I'm here today, and I think a big part of it is because of the opportunity uh, that Mr. Favreau gave me.
5: hmm mm-hmm okay, you're considered uh, Kevin, a trainer that has a major attention to detail. Was this something that you were taught?
8: Yeah, so you know I was fortunate obviously to be raised up in a in a, in a horse racing family. Uh, my father uh you know i mean in the in the kind of late to mid eighties uh was a dominant force as a, as a leading trainer himself. And that was just a young boy at the time. But, you know, I mean, weekends there and, and kind of hot walking at the time and, and grooming and just kind of starting to, starting off at the bottom, working kind of my way through. Uh, I learned a lot from him and uh, how he managed the claiming stable. And in and, and claiming horses and, and kind of stake horses, there's a lot. There's a big difference between the sense and because claiming horses, things don't go as scheduled and, and races don't go as planned. And you have to be able to adapt quickly, right? Uh, So personally, I think there's a a lot more work that goes into them because of that. Where uh, the state caliber type horses, you know, I mean the races are preset, and you basically know where you're pointing towards. So um, my father, I think, uh, you know, I mean, and 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 due respect for him, he, he was good at what he did uh and i learned a lot from him and, and he's been a great teacher and a mentor for me
1: do you ever think every once in a while like geez what if i had sent that resume out and taken a job in like the real world as opposed to horse racing what the heck would you be doing
8: <laughs> it's come across my mind and you know i mean it's you know i mean not sure i'd be happy that's for sure i <laughs> mean i love what i do uh obviously uh there's a I mean, a lot of long hours, you know, we right now you're working outside in the cold and, and the, the kind of the weather conditions sometimes aren't the best, but, uh, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, sitting and be maybe behind a desk or in an office, I'm not sure I'd be able to kind of tolerate that either. So, uh, you know, what I mean, just fortunate enough that, the, you know, I mean things have panned out the way they are and, uh, we're just, every year we strive to do a little bit better. And, and it seems like, uh, and the stable just is heading in the right direction. We've got the right clients behind us. They're buying and breeding the right type of horses. And, uh, you know, hopefully we continue to win the uh, races uh, that we, uh, I know mean, we kind of look forward to, uh, to kind of here at Woodbine and, and uh, you know, just be better year after year, obviously.
1: Well, Kevin, you sound like a perfect example of the old saying, if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life, right?
8: <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. That is true. So.
1: Kevin thank you so much for joining us Larry and I always love your insight uh, congratulations on Moira and last call and your success this year and hopefully it's a great off season for you
8: Thank you very much appreciate take, it having me on the show again guys take care
1: Yeah no problem take care you know Larry uh, you know 80 wins mm-hmm. I mean you, you look at that number in the paper like my yeah. goodness
5: yeah, yeah, he's had a tremendous year, and, uh, and, and well, you heard the story. He, he's worked hard. Oh, he was and, almost out of it. Yeah, he was, and uh, he had the break with uh, Knob Hill Farms, and uh, uh, the rest, as they say, is history, right? So uh, It makes
1: you excited to see what the next year, two or three years, is going to be with his stable.
5: Well, his stable has got better and better and better each year, right? And, yeah. And, uh, you know, Moira was was a star, and, oh, and uh, big you know, time. Uh, last Call looks like um, you know she's going to be a star as a as a three year old as well. So and and he mentioned a couple of other horses to keep an eye on. So mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know and and I I meant to ask him if he, and he probably the answer would be yes that he would be active at the yearling sales this past year too. So uh, you know he's always uh, making the stable a little bit better and better and better and and it's. Reflecting in the amount of wins that he's getting per yeah, year now. It's not an accident, Larry, is it? No, it's not. No, it's not, not at all. He's ah. hard. Sorry, he's, hard he's hard working. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, he he likes his job. He's passionate, and you know, and we talked about the attention to detail. So,
1: and that that does matter. Mm-hmm. After the break, when we come back, would-buy Mohawk Park handicapper Garnet Barnsdell. We love this guy. Well join us on Ponies 24/7, the radio magazine.
0: Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 virtual seminars. Join horse racing expert Lisa Blow and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com/horse-ownership today. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, all year we've mentioned about the great racing and the large betting handles at Woodbine Mohawk Park. And someone who's been in the catbird seat is a friend of the show, friend of all harness racing in this province. Garnet Barnsdale who will not only talk about some of the year's highlights, but also about something he does best, handicap tonight's Mohawk competitive race card. Garnet, welcome to the show. Before we get started, um, are you making the drive to Fort Field in Detroit to watch your beloved Bills because they got snowed out this weekend?
9: That's a trick question because I am making the drive to Fort oh. Field, but I'm not making it until next Wednesday. Because I already had tickets to the Thanksgiving game, but uh, oh. I, when I when I mentioned going for an entire week for two games, I got one of those looks from the wife. So I figured I better uh, I better not yeah, put that's, my
1: luck. That's a tough one, Garnet. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, Larry, go ahead.
5: <laughs> well, Garnet, you've watched a lot of harness races across North America this year. What was the most uh, you would say most impressive performance so far?
9: Um. Wow, there, there's a number of Bulldog Hanover races that come to mind, but uh, having seen having seen the Breeders' Crown race live was uh, that was ultra impressive to me because mostly because Alley White Hanover came to race right. He came, he yeah. took them on. He raced them. Uh, you could. I was actually standing down past the wire, so about halfway between the wire and the first turn. And you can see right from the outset, uh, made that first move, right, to go to get ahead of Bulldog on the first turn to go to the front and he stretched him out mm-hmm. to fifty three and one half. So um, you know, I, I think their plan was to try and maybe get a repeat of Lexington. And um, you know, when it came to the top of the stretch, Bulldog was having none of that and uh you know, that one forty six and four clocking was sensational to tie to tie the Canadian and, and track record. So um, you know, uh, obviously the 145 and four miles kind of stands alone. But the two that I saw at Mohawk, seeing him win that one and, and the Gold Cup where he held off tattoo artists, um, just kind of watching him do his stuff live and uh, was very impressive to me, especially the Breeders' Crown. Because, like I said, Alley White came to race, right? They thought they, were, they could beat him, and, and they took their shot. And that's what, that's what made that such a great race.
1: Garnity, we mentioned off the top about the quality of the racing and the large betting handles at Woodbine Mohawk Park. I guess why? Why was it so good this year and so much money gambled this year?
9: That's a good question. I think I think they do a great job promoting their Pick Fives, which is a, kind of a go-to wager for them—a fifteen percent uh, takeout Pick Fives. They get large handles on that. Um, you know, I think the weather was mostly good. I think they only had a couple of nights where there was fog, which. You could get a lot of that with this, where they're situated. So I think that's important. And the Breeders' Crown was a huge, a huge success. And, um, you know, there were so many strong performances of the Breeders' Crown. Pebble Beach returned to the scene of his biggest uh, triumph, which was the North American Cup this year. And he dominated again in the Breeders' Crown. Uh, King of the North, who was kind of quiet all year after having uh, been one of the best two year old trotters, came up with two sensational performances in both his elimination and final. Which which was kind of a highlight, um, and uh, one of the horses that kind of struck me uh, was the two year old Silly Special Way from the Swanstead barn. She could be she could be any kind. She's really sensational. But um, I think um, they do a good job promoting their their, their they have um, their on air talent kind of interacting on Twitter and stuff. And uh, it's um, you know the, there's full fields and and those those particular bets attract people.
5: Hmm. How big was the uh, Breeders' Crown for harness racing in general? Do you think, especially being back at at uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park?
9: Well, I'll tell you, one of the things they they kind of got lucky with finally was the weather. Mm-hmm. You, you couldn't have got better weather for October, whatever day it was. I think it was the seventeenth or eighteenth, or no, like the third, twenty ninth, and thirtieth, right for the finals. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know the last few Breeders' Crowns I've been to. Have been miserable. Uh, the one they had at Woodbine, where it'll always be Mickey, you know, went through came through a driving rainstorm to win the open pace. Uh, I was at one at Hoosier Park that was freezing and rainy, and I was doing a radio show outdoors that, that time. So, kind of made it a little bad. And then the last one they had at, at uh, Mohawk was muddy all night, right? So they got a good break with the weather. They had a really good turnout, and they had some great racing. So yeah, it was it was uh, it was nice to see. Um, you know, it was probably the second biggest crowd I've seen there this year, aside from the North American Cup, which is their signature event and always packs them in. But there was there was lots of people there, um, you know, betting and, and buying those bulldog drinks and, and enjoying themselves.
1: Garnet, uh, once upon a time you got your start at Greenwood before Wood by Mohawk Park. What was it about the magic of Greenwood that put the hooks in you and made you a harness racing fan for life?
9: Yeah. Well, um... My dad used to drag me there when I was a very young age. We used to make jokes that I was uh, I was born behind the uh, tow board. Um but uh, were you? Um, <laughs> uh, wow uh, you know the other wow well, you know you don't want to say it was conceived there but um, uh, I, you know the part of the biggest attraction was the streetcar stopped right in front of the place, right yeah yeah um, so you, it had character it had characters in there and it had character. Um, not you, you just don't see that anymore at, at many racetracks. You see it a little bit when you go down to the metal lines, um, Kind of some of the characters that still hang around a racetrack and stuff from the old days. But uh, it was easy to get to. I you know when, once I got into my teen years, uh, my dad passed when I was 15. I, I used to go down there on my own. I'd take the bus to the subway station, go out to Coxwell station, and then a 10 minute bus ride, and you're down there at the track, right? And you know you down on the Lake Shore. Um, outdoors, uh, it was just a great experience. You know, I always call it the best track ever, and I I stand by it. I I really miss it.
5: Hmm. And I think the other thing that made it great was the driving rivalries, the the various drivers, right? And, uh, uh, you know, you had Ronnie Waples and Steve Condren and, and, you know, even guys before that. Uh, um, Was there a driver that you kind of got attached to that you followed?
9: Oh, absolutely, Ron Waples. Though so the to this day the best I've ever seen do is play his trade when he was in his prime he could do he could put horses places where I don't think anybody can do it even to this day and find holes and um, and, and you know what he, he if you ever met him he's he's the nicest guy too he had, he had a great personality and uh, kind of uh, you know but uh, from just from all the years I've been watching I to this day he's still my favorite
5: a terrible racquetball player though.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't know
9: about that. Jeez,
5: Larry, that's
1: an uncalled for shot against McDonald. Whoa, jeez. I,
5: I hope he's listening. Oh, <laughs> um <laughs>
1: So how okay, we've been talking so much about James McDonald this year. Uh, does he have that potential to be considered in the Ron Waypoles class?
9: I think so. I think um James is at the point now where he pretty much has his pick almost every any race, right? But um, I think part of the reason he got there was he, he did some of the stuff that Waples was famous for, and which was uh, winning when not having the best horse, right? Mm-hmm. By by outsmarting other guys or, or finding a better trip than another guy or just kind of. Uh, one thing I noticed about James is he's a very strong finisher. If he has a horse that he's bringing from behind, um, there's been a lot of cases where I'm like, uh, you know, you, when you watch thousands, hundreds of thousands of races, you kind of decide by the 16 pole who's winning the race based on who's got the momentum and stuff. And there's lots of times where I counted him out where in the last seven or eight strides, he just finds something with horses and gets them up there by a nose or a head. So um, does he have the, the possibility? Yeah. I mean, is he there yet? No, but I think he can be definitely, he's he's dominated now for a couple of years and there's no sign of that slowing down. He's driving for all the top barns, right? Like Carmen Asiello and, and uh, the Gallucci's all their stakes horses and, and some of Dr. Ian Moore's, and et cetera. So, um, and you know, he just went uh, down South and won a big race with Warwizinia uh, last week yeah. at, at Dover down. So, uh, and he wasn't a favorite there. She was eight to one Warwizinha in that race. So mm-hmm. James, that uh, definitely has the potential, but, uh, he likes to needle me on 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 uh, social media about uh, Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, so I don't want to talk him up too much. because well. he's, uh, he likes to troll. He likes to troll
1: me at times. <laughs> I mean, so far Mahomes has the edge. That's all I'm saying, Garnet. And I'm not, I don't well, like the, the Chiefs.
9: The last three times they met, uh, Josh won two of them and left with the lead with 13 seconds left. So I could I could I could count on that,
5: <laughs> Larry. <laughs> all right. Uh, still on talking about drivers when you're handicapping uh, Garnet. Uh, do you put a lot of emphasis on driving drivers' changes?
9: Uh, it depends who it is, what, who the horse is. But um, in some cases, yes. I noticed there's one. You know, there's one really big angle at Mohawk. And for whatever reason, first time Doug McNair, the first time he gets on a horse, he almost always improves them. Um, and if you improve them a little bit, if you bet them back the next week, sometimes he'll find something else to, to make them go even better or faster, or improve again. So that's one I would definitely keep an eye on, which I I do when I'm handicapping for DRF harness.
1: Well, to that end, Saturday night at Wood Mohawk Park, what are some of your top picks?
9: Uh, You know what? I like a horse uh, in the eighth race that's 15-1 in the morning line, number nine, E.L. Gladiator. I I think um, he raced pretty good twice in the Harvest series. I think his form's a little bit darkened. And and, uh, from post-nine, you're you're guaranteed to get a good price. So I, I like him. I made him my spot play. I think he's a good, good one to use in the exotics. You know, the harvest series final is race seven. That's going to be a really good race. You got three horses, knocking heads, stone carver, number five, camera, moment, number four, and delicate sound. Number eight, that have all uh, took turns winning in the preliminary legs and coming with great form. I think, um, you know, that's kind of a race where I I would lean towards whichever one of these three might be the highest price at post time, because they all have, uh, they all have good shots. And then, Um, There's a horse that we were just talking about, Doug McNair, like in the fifth race, he's in control. Uh, He drops, and McNair had a choice of him and another horse that has good form, number 10 Fabrizio, and he took him. So number seven, he's in control, the class dropper in race five.
5: Hmm. Okay. So when uh, you're handicapping, back on that topic, um, how much do you think comes down to the horse and how much to the driver? How much emphasis do you put on the horse and how much on the driver?
9: Well, if, you, if you don't have a sharp horse that, that figures on the number of factors, class speed, uh, you know, post position is a big factor. Then the driver isn't going to matter. Right. But uh, if you're splitting hairs between two or three contenders that you think are somewhat equal, then maybe you got to favor the one that James McDonald or Doug McNair is driving or, or Louie water, Bob McClure over maybe lesser lights. So, I think it, it comes down to more when, you know, kind of at the final stages of handicapping more so than you, you got to have the horse or you're not, you know mm-hmm. if you don't have a horse that that's uh, even a marginal contender. You're not going to win. It doesn't matter who the driver is.
1: As always, Garner, an absolute pleasure. All the best with your picks, all the best with your bills. Uh, we always love having you on. You're a great listen and a continued success, my friend.
9: Listen, I'm happy to join anytime, guys, and uh, have a good weekend. And of course, go Bills.
1: Go Bills! Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Garnet. All the best. Take care. After the break, Larry Simpson will look at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and of course, some racing at several other North American tracks. So make sure that your HBI counts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stick with us for Larry's coveted Ponies picks today, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. This is Ponies Twenty Four Seven, the
0: radio magazine. We will be right back ponies 24 7 the radio magazine brought to you by woodbine woodbine mohawk park ontario racing and rocket ship racing listen live at 1059 the
4: Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research.
0: This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. All right, before we
1: wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 20s Four Seven, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems as Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Larry, the people have spoken. They love your picks. What do you have
5: for them this week? Hopefully we got four winners here, Jim, but uh, let's uh, start at uh, Woodbine. They have a 10-race uh, uh, card today. Race 5 is a maiden special weight for 2-year-old fillies, a mile and a sixteenth on the tapita surface for a purse of $126,800 for 2-year-old fillies, and a nice field of nine have been entered. Uh, Number 5, Esme, looks like a filly on the improve after a three-start career. Last start, Esme took a a career-best 64 buyer speed rating where she finished second to the well-regarded filly Renegade Revel. Esme was actually an $85,000 2-year-old purchase this year, For a friend of the show, trainer Kevin Attard, and uh, is a Kentucky bred from the famed uh, Claiborne Farm and has two works since that last start, including a bullet 36 uh, at three furlongs breeze on November 6th, then followed that up with a nice four furlong 49 flat uh, break uh, workout on uh, November the 12th. Esme is a filly that looks like she's on the improve. And looks very good today. So Woodbine, race five, number five, Esme. Nice. And next? Okay. Delmar has a nine race card today, including the Cary Grant stakes and, oh. the, and the Desi Arnaz stakes. Oh, that's
9: fantastic.
5: Yeah. So uh, race seven, though, is a nice uh, maiden special weight for three-year-olds and up. It's one mile on the turf. There's a compact field of eight uh, set to go, including number three, Quinty Sense who uh, enters today's race off a lifetime uh, best buyer speed rating of 81 that was taken October 1st at Santa Anita, and she lacked room pretty much the whole stretch and basically had nowhere to go and finish fifth, beating only one and a quarter length, though. So. Two starts back on September the 3rd, a race at a mile on the Del Mar Turf Course. Quinty Sense had the outside 10 hole, which is kind of deadly, and still raced well enough to finish second, only beaten a half length for the win. She actually had the lead with about two strides to oh. go and just got beat, oh. yeah. Uh, today will be Quinty Cent's third race off the layoff. We know that's a, a key angle. Jockey Johnny Velasquez, who was aboard her two starts ago, Rides uh, Quinty Cents today, and since that last race on October 1st, Quinty Cents has uh, four good works, including three at five furlongs. So Delmar, race seven, number three, Quinty Cents. Excellent. And next? Well, by Mohawk Park has an 11 race card tonight, including the final of the Harvest Series for three-year-old Ontario sired Colts and Geldings. Uh, race six, though, is a one-mile pace for purse of uh, $26,000, and there's a field of seven entered. Uh, number five, Salzburg-Victor, I think, actually raced very well last week when you figure he was in the preferred pace, and he left from the outside. Uh, he closed for four, uh, for sixth and paced his back half in 55 and 1. Uh, two starts back, Salzburg-Victor raced super when he paced to a new lifetime mark of 149 and 3, with the back half and 53 and three, that's that's moving. Hmm. Um, salzburg Victor certainly fits tonight's class better than last week's preferred, so he's dropped down in class. And I think taking that lifetime mark two uh, starts back shows that this guy's in pretty good shape. Uh, he's four to one in the morning line. Uh, I'd like to get four to one on this horse tonight and. Uh, I think that there's enough speed signed on to help because he's a horse that likes to uh, close in the stretch. It looks like uh, his late kick will be uh, uh, helped by the speed that's been signed on. So hmm. Woodbine-Mohawk Park, race six, number five, Salzburg-Victor. Outstanding. And, ne- and finally? Well, we're going to go with the Meadowlands uh, tonight. And uh, they started, as we said, the, uh, their fall meet a couple of weeks back. They got 14 races on tap tonight, including eliminations for the Three Diamonds, the Governor's Cup, and the Valley Victory Stakes. Uh, Race 13, though, is a one-mile pace with a purse of uh, $23,000. Number three, Toronto, that's the horse. No kidding. That's his name, Uh, makes his third start off a very long layoff tonight, and actually his two starts back to date have both been very good. Uh, Two starts back, Toronto got away eighth and raced off the back, closing for fourth, beating two and a half lengths, timed in 150 and two, his last quarter in 26 and one, and that was... He had the last race back in, like, December of last year, so uh, that was a pretty good race uh, back. He'd had a couple of qualifiers before that, but uh, to uh, come out and go 150 and 2 off a couple of qualifiers, that's moving. Um, I think uh, it's his last race, though, that is the big indicator that uh, this horse is uh, ready to pop. Uh, In that last uh, race last week, Toronto had the dreaded 10-hole, trailed throughout, but closed enough in the stretch for fifth, beating 1.5 lengths. Uh, he was race timed in 149 and four, so he's dropped a, a second since his uh, first start back, and his last quarter was in 26 and two, so he was really motor and home in that race. Uh, uh, to me, this race looks a lot better uh, than it uh, on paper. Than it, you know, this horse was ten lengths out of it at the half and was really closing rapidly at the end. Uh, the move to post three tonight should be a big help. And uh, the number three is actually key to this guy for, as I noted before, he's making his all-important third start off the layoff. So the Meadowlands, race 13, number three, Toronto.
1: Uh, I love it. And a special load to our buddy Mark, the fans of horse racing. As always, we like your continued support. Goodbye. And thank you for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Just a reminder, if you'd like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine, a new one was released recently, email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com. And don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign. Don't horse around with lymphoma. For more info on this, go to the landing page lymphoma.ca slash ponies and donate to the cause. Stick around. 105.9 of the region all weekend long. The legend and rumor is up next with a special edition of the feed. York Region's only magazine show as Ann talks to all the mayors in the region for the start of the new council seasons. Uh, Have yourself a great week and I'll be back here Monday morning. Thanks for listening. Don't get buried by the snow if you go to Buffalo. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Jim Lang and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more on the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.